Great. Uh, my pleasure to welcome to our podcast, Mr. Anthony Seca yeah. of uh, a bright, shining light in the community of restorative justice in San Diego County. Uh, Anthony, I know that you are responsible for a whole lot, but could you just give us a thumbnail of your job description? Sure. I'm, I'm in the um, System of Supports Department within the Student Services and Programs Division. So I, um, and what I do mostly is um, uh, work around promoting restorative justice practices in the schools, in the 42 school districts and the juvenile court and community schools. In our in our county, which is obviously very large, yes. um, yeah. How many students are there in this these uh, forty in, some in, districts? In, you know what? I think in the county, I, I don't know the exact number. I um, I'm not sure if there was like a half a million students or something. Yeah, Just amazing. I, 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 I think you're right. I, I think actually it might be a little north of five hundred thousand. Wow. Uh, especially, I mean, if you count preschool and uh, you know, and, and the like. So it's a lot of, uh, kids. And I know you have, uh, just an amazing staff to help, uh, you with your efforts. Yeah, there's really, um, we have a great team of people, um, you know, and, and it's, um, you know, when you're part of the county office, a lot of times, you know, you have some people, that are are with you, but they're they're also they have these other responsibilities uh, because they're maybe um, funded by a grant or something like that. That's typical, and so when they have their other time, they can help you with certain things. You know, uh, we don't have a lot of people uh, besides myself who I would say their their complete focus is this work that we're talking about today. Yeah, well, I know one of your. Uh right-hand people is uh, Jen Vermillion. And Jen, I had the pleasure of uh, getting to know Jen in, uh, it's about 10 years ago. She was a student at the Croc Peace and Justice uh, uh, program at the University of San Diego. And she was in my classroom helping to train students how to be circle facilitators as an undergraduate Beautiful. and since then she and I have teamed up to do some trainings and uh, I know Felicia Singleton mm -hmm. although she's married now uh, yeah yeah that's her that's that's the name that she still uses though. she's still using it professionally yeah, yeah when yeah. she was at the uh, you know San Diego Unified and they are two uh, oh boy yeah i mean yeah you, you you got the best of the best there that's uh, oh yeah for sure. yeah and so we're fortunate. doing you know we're doing the best that we can and i've been i've been fortunate to have bosses um over the past probably i'll say eight years that have allowed me um kind of the freedom to develop trainings and offer those trainings to um our educators countywide um and at this point, I mean, over 10,000 of them have come to different trainings that we've, uh, restorative uh, practices trainings that we've provided. And it's been, I think, you know, over these past eight years, we've been allowed to really plant those restorative seeds in the educational field here in San Diego County. And I, I can see how, 
you know, slowly but surely it starts to change a mindset. You begin to see some of those people have moved into leadership positions and you see it, they're promoting it in their, in their policies. And it's a beautiful thing to see the language in their LCAPs and the things like this. Uh, there's still a lot more work to do, believe me. But <laughs> yeah, um, it's a, but I want to acknowledge, you know, all those, um, all those people at the County Office of Ed who have allowed me to, to really, um, do this work. They, they trusted me. And that, that's a big deal for me. Oh, that's, you know, uh, at whatever level you're at, I know that uh, the first one of the first things I discovered when I started teaching in the classroom was that you don't get anywhere until the kids trust you. And that in today's world, uh, unfortunately, you, you've got to earn that trust. It That's doesn't right. just come. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in Nebraska, when I was in school and, you know, in elementary, you respected your teacher. And if you it. didn't, you got a yardstick uh, on the rear or a ruler on your hand. And it was right. painful if you did not respect that. That's right. It's a different world today. Uh, yeah. and, and I think the kids deserve it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, you know. I always feel like, you know, teachers, administrators, all of us who work in education or any uh, public agency, we really need to understand we come in as servants of, of the community. So that means we, we should come in with complete humility that we have a privilege to be paid to serve. And we have good jobs and we have good benefits. And um, every day should be a privilege to just say, hey, you know, this is a, it's a different time than when I grew up, but that's okay. The kids, like you said, you said they deserve us to, um, to, to uh, gain their trust, to show them that we truly do care on a, on a daily basis through every interaction that we, we, we're basically proving to them, even if you've been harmed in the past and people have demeaned and devalued you, I am not going to do that. I am going to honor you. I am going to, in every interaction, I mean that, in every time that we interact, I am going to do my best to honor you and to show you how much I value you. Well, I've had the privilege of uh, being in several of your trainings, and I remember one, uh, oh, it was a while ago, uh, but... Um, I just remember you, you know, and when you talk, you know, you, we don't see it on the screen, but you're expressive with your hands, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways. And I remember you saying what we do so often are things that push the students away. Yeah. And what we have to concentrate is how we can bring them in close. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of a goal, for all of this work, that that's as succinct as uh, you know I've ever heard. I mean, it really, really is. Um, let me ask you: How did you get involved in uh, restorative justice? And, you, know, you know, it was one of was my bosses. Yeah, well, um, uh, my my colleague, friend, and he at the time he was my assistant superintendent, I believe at the time. He had taken me to a training. Um, on the disproportionate discipline that was being used, not only in San Diego County, but across the country within the schools. 
And it was the, the data was clear that that kind of disproportionate discipline, that there was racism involved in it because the numbers clearly showed that. And then it became really clearly that it was pushing kids out, like you were saying just a minute ago, pushing kids out where they didn't feel that you cared. And they, they felt like, why do I want to go to school where I can go connect? I got to go find people who actually care for me. And um, they started connecting with, you know, unfortunately, there are adults out in the community who are happily willing to take care, uh, take, take our kids and manipulate them for their own benefit. And, um, and then many of those kids got caught up in that school to prison pipeline. Um, so, so when we saw that data, I remember we came out, it was in San Diego Unified that had hosted that training. We came out, we said, we have to do something to restore the soul of the school so they can understand, you know, that they can really understand that what we're up against. And so we, we researched it and we said, you know, restorative practices, restorative justice kinds of seem, seems to us to be the one thing that maybe we could promote in the schools um, as a way to kind of um, encourage them, uh, inspire them to do things differently. Because if they, if they stay on the old paradigm, it will never work because the data was really clear on that. And so, but the thing is many people misunderstand the role of the County Office of Education because many times people have come to me, they're like, Anthony, you guys should just tell all the districts they have to do it this way. And I'm like, we can't do that. Every school district has their own governing body that's voted in and, and including the County Office of Ed. And, and we're here to serve them, to serve all those districts and provide them leadership and inspiration and, and support. So I said, so basically we had to do like what you talked about, Steve, with the students, we had to win them over. We have to show the school districts and the schools out there that, that we care, that they can trust us, um, and that we have something of value to offer them. Because um, otherwise they're like, oh, we don't need you, you know? Um, and so I was really, really impressed with my boss at the time that said, yeah, Anthony, let, let's go with this. And then he actually kind of helped me kind of get it started. And then I, I just felt like, when I, when I embraced this restorative justice work, it felt like something, something came alive in me that, that I felt like I was almost perfectly aligned with who I am as a human being. And even in my spirituality and my faith, everything just came into alignment. You know, I think that, uh, you know, it's a calling, a lot like teaching is. Uh, if you're going to be good at it, you are called to it, yeah. uh, and it is, uh, you know, it, it's, well, we agree that it's amazing work, and uh, uh, do you know a Luis Lopez from Sweetwater? Yes, I do. He's fantastic. There's a podcast here on my site. Uh, he's been charged by the uh, powers that be with uh, uh, charting the course for uh, you know, a restorative system, top to bottom. Wow. And, uh, you know, you might want to give that one a listen. Yeah, uh, thank you. I, I just um, was communicating with him, with some of my colleagues. They're doing some work on 
the social emotional learning and how to promote that. He's done a great job of, of helping with that in Sweetwater. And um, actually uh, this coming week, I'm going to be providing um, it as one of the, like almost like a guest speaker within their, their series of trainings they're doing about like, what does a restorative school look like? Yeah. And um, well, I first met Luis when he was teaching a freshman class called Prep for Success. Kids mm. who've had certain challenges, they're ninth graders. Mm. And uh, I was training for teen courts. And um, he was also, not only he's a great teacher, but he was a great advocate. He talked me into training ninth graders, which typically don't work because most of our offenders in teen court are older. They're typically juniors and seniors. And uh -huh. um, the gap, uh, I thought, uh, would be just too great between a ninth grader, you know, somebody 14, 15, and somebody 17, 18. That 18-year-old might not feel so comfortable with somebody that young. And I turned out <laughs> he was right and I was wrong. Uh, they, they played minimal roles in, the, in their ninth grade years, but they ultimately turned out to be leaders in the, uh, you know, in, in the Sweetwater uh, movement, not only in team court, but becoming advocates for, uh, uh, before COVID, we were trying to get uh, state law uh, to fund teen courts in high schools. And we were, they were lobbying legislators. And, uh, yeah. and, and these were kids, again, that uh, came out of the, the, you know, the ninth grade. So he certainly changed uh, my attitude um, on that count. That. And, um, you know, and as you're talking, uh, I've always had, and I think we've had this discussion before, the feeling that and that uh, the kids are, you know, our best asset and that as a system, we utilize them so little, yeah. uh, you know, and my bias is towards uh, finding people who are truly interested and training them deeply and then training the kids as facilitators, the kids to run the team court, the kids to do peer mediation and have the kids go out on campus and facilitate circles. And the growth in that case is organic. The teachers that poo-pooed it, all of a sudden now they have students coming to them and say, you know, Mr. Smith, we need a circle in here. And I get a call from the guy who at first said, hey, we'd like to come over. Nah, 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 I'm not interested. Now they're starting to call in. And that organic growth is real growth. Yeah. You know, it's not somebody that feels good about a training as they're leaving. They get down and they have so much on their plate. They just never really get to it. That's right. And that, by uh, the way, that's the, that's a, a picture of the restorative community, like um, a, kind of a, a limited version of, of restorative practices in a school, for example, would be, yeah, okay, the staff kind of, you know, they, they run the circles and they, they'll, they'll, they'll run the restorative conferences as needed and they'll do this and they'll do that. But you're only going to have a certain amount of success by doing that. If you want to go to like an, a, a whole other level is to do what you just said. And, and from the beginning, begin to um, nurture the leadership 
that is right there. They're the majority of the people in our schools, the students. And so they should be seen as our primary resource, um, even from a very young age. I always tell people, because they'll say, well, can a second grader really do restorative practices? I'm like, have you ever seen a, a first grader or even a kindergartner when, when another child is, is, is um, crying or they're sad? What do they do? They come and they hug them. Um, because a lot of them naturally are empathic people. They know to show empathy and compassion. I said, and that is restorative practices in its core. Um, that human connection where they, 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 um, they do what you have on the screen there. They find common ground. They are a human being who has suffered before. In some ways they've been sad. So now they can feel for somebody who is sad right now. And they can say to them in some ways through their actions, I care about you. You're not alone. Come here. Let me hug you. Um, and when you do that, you have now um, really tapped into the power, the power in schools, just like what you were saying. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's great programming for the little ones. Uh, uh, Seeds of Compassion it was actually developed by the Dalai Lama. Wow. And it is uh, actually in uh, Oregon and Washington, and I believe Maryland, uh, the legislature have required that as elementary school curriculum. Wow. Uh, yeah, and they start with, uh, you know, the, they're, they're starting in preschool. There, there's it. stuff out there that really is uh, showing to be quite, quite effective uh, for the little yeah. ones. Yeah, uh, that's that's to... beyond my pay grade. I, you know, I have. But you know what? That's where it starts. Yeah, um, absolutely. And by the way, if you do that with that with that preschooler or, or that kindergartner or that first grader or that fifth grader, by the time they get to that ninth grade class, they are an empowered human being. Yes. Now, if if by the opposite is this, if you as an adult just keep you know, teaching this and, and kind of pouring knowledge into them and pouring knowledge and then asking them to regurgitate it on tests. And you do that for nine years, you have pretty much an oppressed young person that just has learned this. I just want to regurgitate knowledge to these people to give me my good grade, which is worthless. Um, yeah. And and so so what we want to do is we want to raise empowered young people so that when they're in the ninth grade, they already know this. I have a purpose here. I have a calling. Um, not just the teachers have a calling. I have a calling to be a healer of my community, to be a restorer, to be somebody who helps to uh, heal the harms that have been done to my, to my peers. Yeah, and another thing I think that I picked up in large measure from you and from Luis is the uh, uh, concept that what we're really teaching with restorative work is a way of life. You know, it, it, it's not a technical class that you need to pass. Right. It's, it, it, it's intending to help inform how one might live their life, you know, yes. in the choices that they make. And uh, uh, Louise says that, you know, we are human beings and we are in a, a constant need 
of restoration. Each of us, you know, it's, it's the human condition. Yes. And uh, that's why, I mean, that's really what hooked me because it it is so much more pervasive than a class that you get a grade in or, you know, whatever else you do. Yeah. And I, you know, I tell you (laughs) another thing that I've learned from you, um, uh, you know, I practiced law for 30 years and I'm very partial to the constitution and the bill of rights and uh, especially uh, for me, it's, it's very important to keep church and state separate. Yeah. You make it very clear, as you, you know, did here, that you are a man of, uh, and actually I believe, great faith. And to this day, I've known you for years now, to your credit, I have no idea what your religion is. Mm-hmm. You're a man of faith. Your teaching is all secular. It applies to the atheist as well as the uh, priest. That's right. And um, and and that's a very you know for somebody who is as uh, uh, focused as I am on that issue, I can tell you that um, you know you are extremely skilled. yeah, uh, but the, the, and if this is too personal, just tell me and yeah, we can go okay. on to another question. But how does your religion inform your work? Yeah. Being mindful of the separation of church and state, which I know that you are very mindful of. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for that question because that's a it's a very personal but deep and important question. And um, for me, that's why I was saying that when I when I kind of learned the the need for the the restoration of really honestly social justice, uh, human rights in our school, which was connected to the fact that we had been harming, mistreating kids by the overuse of discipline, um, by the basic I, I shouldn't even use the word discipline by the overuse of punishment and alienating them and things like that it made me kind of like, you know, question and say, well, this is, this is a social injustice and these young people are being harmed. And am I willing to stand up for what is right? Um, because if I believe in it, like in the, in the faith that I have, it's one, like you said earlier, like restorative practices is a way of life. I see my faith as a way of life. I don't really see it as kind of like, oh, I got to go to a building and kneel down and pray. And so I, I'm more like, it's really um, what informs the way I live. And, um, and so I, I saw this, that restorative practices aligned so well with pretty much everything that I believed. Um, and I said, if I'm about truly caring for the harmed, the ones who are oppressed, as my faith informs me, I have to um, promote this work in the schools because that's where the harm is being done. And that's where the, the ones who are oppressed are walking. And so that's where I found I was able to really just meld it together as one. And I think that's why you felt that, you know, that I could authentically do that with a passion and a heart and a spirit, I guess I would even say that you can feel as my friend, Steve, as you could feel that when you're in the, in the circle, 
It's something that is, it resonates with human beings, right? Who are not just like, you know, this kind of fleshy being, right? We have a, we have a heart, we have a soul, we have something, you know, a psyche, we have a subconscious, we have like, they're so, we're so amazing as a human being. You can feel when, like you said earlier, everyone needs restoration. So when, when you're in a circle and somebody listens to you and they don't judge you and they just acknowledge you and thank you, that is a restorative moment. You as a human being feel it. You, it's not just like a, like a, um, uh, some kind of psychological, okay, well, that was nice. No, it's, it's something as a human being, it tells you I'm valuable enough for Steve to acknowledge me and to actually in, in public value me and lift me up and, and, and provide me the dignity that I deserve as a human being. And that's, and, and that to me is spiritual work. It's all, it's, it should be all connected. I, yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I know that um, when we train kids for uh, the teen court, uh, you know, I frequently asked, well, you know, what, you know, what are the benefits and, you know, what, and then what, um, you know, what sort of things uh, get you to experience the benefits? And to me, in the teen court setting, this is a young person who's been, you know, charged with an actual crime and his peers are going to resolve it. Um, but it is um, uh, uh, the opportunity to speak and be heard by peers in a non-judgmental way. Mm -hmm. This is something that these kids uh, at home or at school, or even with their friends, they just don't get a chance to experience. And you can just see, they'll come into the court and they got this chip on their shoulder. And by the end of the trial, they're really, expressing themselves tears often come to this you know this tough guy with the you know the, he's gonna you know my way or the highway i can you know i can beat you up uh, and all of a sudden you know he's in tears or she is in tears uh just because they finally they realize these people care about what i have to say and you know, how did we get to a point in our system where kids feel that way? I just, it's just so frustrating to me because I don't understand the reason for it. I mean, yeah. how did we get here? Yeah. Uh, um, partly um, when you have, when you have, there's a like power and you have like, especially like a big institution, you have bureaucracies, you get more and more rules and laws and, 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 like, I mean, it's like, if you look at like the amount of ed code there is and stuff, it's like, it's like overwhelming. Um, and so, so what ends up happening is when it, as the more complex it all gets and, and all this, you start to lose the, like your reason for even being in as a teacher or as a educator, you know, it starts to become almost oppressed out of you. And, and that's why what we're doing is we're trying to reawaken the the original calling 
that every educator hopefully heard and, and they can rediscover it because that is the passion that is ultimately going to um, enable them and empower them to make a true difference and to do the things that you said that can maybe value a child the, for the first time in their life in the school, right? That they can feel like somebody is actually caring enough to listen to me. Even if um, may, maybe I was the worst kid of the school or the, of the class, yeah. but they took the time. They took the time to listen to me. And you know what it does is it brings, it brings like a, a restoration, a healing that sometimes will bring people to tears. They, they're, they're just like, I've been, they don't even know it consciously, but subconsciously they've been like a starving for this healing and acknowledgement as a human being, I'm important, I'm valuable, right? I have a, I have a place that I belong right here. <laughs> we, in the teen court, you know, the kids are trained to be, fulfill every function, except for that of an adult judge. Um, and the bailiff, who's charged with keeping order in the court, uh, we never have a problem with keeping order in the court, but she always comes with a couple boxes of Kleenex. And the job of our bailiff in teen court is basically to dis distribute Kleenex to the crying parent or the crying student, or yeah. in, in, uh, in quite a few cases, she'll be distributing it to the kids who are acting as jurors. Once the kid really opens up and you find out what he's been through, and which gets me to, I think, the ultimate, and that's uh, uh, the ultimate in refining restorative skills, which is trauma-informed care. Yeah. And um, there's no way to take into account, especially in many of the populations we serve, uh, you know, they are the sum total of their life experience. And some of those life experiences are just bad. Right. No, or terrible. Terrible. And without that knowledge, um, it's more difficult to work, you know, what we hope to work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 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 you've got to get that trust to get to that information. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what, what is your experience in doing training on uh, uh, trauma-informed care? Yeah. I always think that, you know, um, like it starts with um, not just kind of like, okay, you know, tell me about your, your whole life. And you think that kids are just going to completely open yeah. up. You know, that's like completely unrealistic. But, but like we are, we need to regain the trust of these kids, but it starts with as something as simple as um, a check-in. Like I might ask um, students, Steve, you know, hey, you know, how are you do how, you know, checking in today? How are you like one through 10 on the scale of one through, how are you feeling? And, you know, you might tell me, well, you know what? I don't want to be here. I'm like a two and, you know, <laughs> school sucks. And if I can just say, if I can just learn as an educator to say, 
thank you, Steve, for being authentic and keeping it real with me. And I want you to know that in any way that I can support you today, I'm here for you. That's all you have to do. So what happens in Steve's mind, if that, if that is happening on a consistent basis in his school, what happens is Steve begins to go, you know what, this is a place that I can trust. I feel like at least with Anthony, you know, he, he will accept me and embrace me however I'm coming here today. And so um, that's the important thing because sometimes what will happen is Steve will say something like, well, you know what? I think school sucks. It, I'm, I'm, I'm a two today. I don't really want to be here. And you know what, what adults say? They say, well, Steve, you know, you should appreciate the fact that you have an education. Like you shouldn't feel that way. And all that, that whole thing of you shouldn't feel that way is the most horrible, demeaning, um, like shutting people down kind of statement you can make. Um, but I know in educators' minds, it's because they're uncomfortable with the truth. They're uncomfortable with a lot of times the school has failed our kids because we have focused on grades over the human being. We have focused on their attendance levels over the human being. It always should be, the school should strive to say, the human being is the most important thing in this school, period, barring none, not even close. Grades, attendance, behavior, none of that even comes close to the value of the human being. And every educator, every adult on that school campus should be trained and retrained and retrained to continually communicate the, to the Steves. Steve, I value you. I embrace you where you are. And I want you to know this, with me, you're safe, you're honored, you're valued. Absolutely. In a case like that, I remember uh, we had some students immigrating from Central America. Uh, and in this case, Honduras and Nicaragua. And um, I would ask them to, if they wanted to participate. I mean, I would try to sell it, but I didn't make uh, anything but the base course mandatory. Yeah, It was up to me to get them to want to volunteer. That, that was my job for all the extra stuff. Sure. And so I would ask these kids, you know, are you interested? Will you be there? Oh, yeah. Yes, Mr. L. We'll, um, we'll come to, you know, your meeting or to this uh, court hearing. And they wouldn't show up. Huh. So I pull them aside. I said, hey, you told me you were coming. And he said, well, we respect you, Mr. Lopig, you're an elder. And in our culture, you never say no to an elder. <laughs> and I said, it's a matter of respect. And I said, so when you said, yes, you will be there, you knew you weren't coming. And they said, yes. <laughs> we, we wouldn't want to offend you. So now, and this is early. I mean, I learned this, you know, the first semester of teaching without any teaching education. And, uh, but I had studied some of this stuff. And so what was my answer? You know, I am so thankful that you trust me. Wow. And, it, you know, it makes me feel so good that you're giving me this respect. However, you know, 
Yeah. So this is a new culture, and um, I, I, I'm glad you told me, and I'm glad I understand, and I am so happy that you are treating me with respect. Right. But we need to, this is another culture yeah, and we're going to have to work on it. You know? you know, and there you go. That's, see, you knew that the first step, the first step in your relationship with those kids was to acknowledge the positive. Like you could have said, don't you know to say you're going to show up and to not show up is completely irresponsible, immature, yeah. and disrespectful. That's what you could Which was said. what was in my head when they didn't show up. You know? right? But you look what you led with. You led with this. You led with, thank you that you respect me enough to even like say yes to me because you consider me an elder and I, I appreciate that. That's where we have to start acknowledge the good acknowledge the, the the human connection or that common ground that where we can connect then we only then do we have a chance to help them come over here right and and then we can we can help support them with the 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 skills and the even the to build their trust to even then show up the next time yeah it it was uh it was a process. I mean, really, uh, you know, but that just has to do with, you know, the richness of diversity. Yeah. Um, you know, at Crawford, it's the most diverse school. Yeah. Probably in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we have 36 languages on campus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, with 1,100 kids. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there is... Uh, you know, my first year, I was retired and volunteering, and I started teaching. And I, that first year, oh, that first semester, I mean, it was four or five, six times a day that I was saying to myself, what the heck are you doing here? Yeah. I could be on a golf course right now, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. as I'm sweating and tearing my hair out. Yeah. <laughs> like my golf buddies would ask me, what's it like? And I would say, that first semester, it's hours and hours of frustration surrounded by moments of exhilaration. <laughs> and uh, that exhilaration turned into like a hit of heroin for a heroin addict. You wanted more and more of those. Yeah. And as you found out how to get more and more of them, guess what? Yeah. You got more and more. You got more. <laughs> So that's the key. It's a long process. Like yeah. you said, even with those Central American kids, it was a long process of restoring trust, restoring kind of this, this relationship between an elder and a child. And, um, and, and people that, that, that think that it's going to happen in one meeting or two meetings and it doesn't, and they get frustrated and then they revert back to what they know, which is power over people which is oppression um that's what that's what's wrong that's what people are not trained they're not prepared they have their capacity isn't there so that when they go into the classroom so that they they are prepared for this kind of thing right it's amazing that you stuck with it but a lot of people either just leave because it's so frustrating or they revert back to well you know what if you're going to make my life hell i'm going to make your life hell yeah that's when they start, I, I've seen that, you know, uh, and I've seen how the system has beat up teachers 
that I bet when they were young and coming out of college were, you know, oh. just ripe. I mean, just ready to rock and roll and teach. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you turn around 20 years later and there's no energy. There's no, no energy. Any, you know, I mean, the joy. they're teaching on the first Thursday of the second month of the first semester. They're teaching the same thing that they taught for the last 20 years. And, uh, yeah. oh, my God, I need the paycheck and I'm going to be here. And I'll, yeah, it becomes and, almost and, like a survival thing. I just need my paycheck, yeah. my benefits, my retirement. Yeah, I, I don't want to imply that there's, you know, that there's yeah, there's great people, overwhelming numbers because they're not. I mean, most of the people, uh, you know, I came from the private sector, and for my money, uh, most all of the people I meet in education are marvelous. Yeah both in intention and the amount of work that they're willing to do. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't take too many burnouts to really mess with a young person's life, put them in a yeah. hole that is so hard to get out of. Yeah. Well, so what have you got? A uh, uh, couple of things. I know you're very busy and I thank you for taking some time to talk with me, but I have two questions for you. All right. One is uh, anything interesting on the horizon. And two is if there are folks out there, you know, um, since COVID shut me out of working directly with kids, I'm basically viewing my job now as uh, spreading the word, however, yeah. and wherever I can. Yeah. And uh, are there any ways that somebody listening uh, who doesn't have any restorative training uh, could get involved as a volunteer? if uh, they're so inclined. Sure. I would say, um, you know, if you're interested in this, email me. That's the best okay. way. And, and I've just, it's, it's A-C-E-J-A, -E which is my last name. So it's A-C-E-J-A -E at S-D-C-O-E. That's for San Diego County Office of Education, S-D-C-O-E dot net. Dot net. So, I will put on the... Uh, I will, with your permission, then put your email on yeah. the little header next to your uh, uh, episode on Absolutely. the podcast. Okay, I, I, I welcome people to, to contact me. I, I, I do a lot of communication with people all the time. And um, I'm probably going to invite you to come to our virtual trainings that we have. That's something we we developed when COVID hit. And I honestly tell you the truth, I didn't think it was going to work, but it worked quite well. So we have, right. yeah, we have several trainings, introduction to restorative practices, build, building a restorative community virtually, um, um, the restorative conflict intervention, restorative leadership. We have our, our um, restorative practices collaborative that you've come to um, different times. Uh, we have our our um, we have a listserv of information that we'll send out sometimes um, that people can join. Uh, we have a, a a Google Drive that people have helped to to build up with information and videos and things like that for people more interested in it. So, I you know if you you want if you're listening right now, just know this: contact me, and I guarantee you, I will get back to you, and I will connect you. Beautiful, beautiful, and I got to tell you, you know. With COVID, and we had a tough COVID. My uh, 
wife in the middle of this had, uh, got colon cancer and uh, uh, you know I had some health issues and uh, uh, you know I was so out of it and so I missed several of the uh, collaborative meetings but they're like mother's milk to me I, I we had one was the last week I think yeah uh, and it just felt so good it'd been like three months since I'd been in a circle virtual or otherwise and it's just cleansing you know as soon as you you know deb uh, uh gave us the uh, uh, uh the warm-up yeah the mindfulness warm-up yeah mother earth yeah I, I, I call deb sadler my uh, mentor of the metaphysical <laughs> there you go he's got you know i mean yeah ideas that are a bit strange to me but I honor her thought, and I know she is a good and sound heart. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I can tell you, when it was over, I was sorry it was over. Yeah. And I felt as good as I had in, in weeks. Wow. It's, you know, it really is an amazing process. One that I never, you know, uh, never grew old to me. Uh, especially doing circles with kids. I mean, each one, you never know what's going to happen. You know? <laughs> and, and you said it earlier, Steve, you said, <laughs> you said every human being needs restoration. And, and so when we go to the collaborative meeting, I need it too. You need it. We, you know, and, and most people tell me just like I feel, and you have expressed, I feel better. I feel like, re-energized well guess what because that's a part of our restorative we're restoring ourselves right so that we can go on and do these podcasts and other things that you that people do to keep spreading this this message so true uh, anthony i know you have a busy day and i thank you so much for taking the time out please include me in anything you think i might uh be able to lend a hand. I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm living for these virtual meetings. So love it. Anything uh, you think, just send it over. I'll be there. Well, and uh, uh, hopefully we can check in down the road and see how things are going. At any time, I always appreciate being able to co connect with you because that's part of my restoration. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for everything you're doing, everything you have done and everything you continue to do as an elder in our community. And I, I uh, really respect you and, and thank you. Well, thank you. And uh, hopefully I will see you uh, virtually soon. All right. Let's do it. Thanks again. And hopefully soon in person. That will That's be right. Let's do that too. Take care. Steve. Okay. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.